I had this whole kind of mental breakdown, uh, you know, seven years into my comedy career and like basically was out for a year and a half. I went home to my parents' house and then I was in a mental hospital in Texas. Basically what happened was I just had a, a new psychiatrist get really worried about the dose of Lexapro I was on. And it was just one of those things that like you go off one medicine and just no medicine works again. Even going back on that other medicine. So the anxiety got insane. Like insane. Like I couldn't leave the house. I was having kind of psychotic um symptoms and so i attempted suicide i was in and out of psych wards i spent three months in a mental hospital i had 15 sessions of uh electroconvulsive therapy that year and year and change was like a nightmare welcome to the underground comedy podcast with sean joyce for more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the DC area this weekend, we got DC's best showcases at Big Hunt. Both nights will feature New York comics. Mike Leibowitz will close out the shows on Friday, and Alex English will close out the showcases Saturday. Also this weekend, Clayton English from Last Comic Standing will be headlining DC Draft House. You can get tickets and info to those shows on the website. Today's guest is Brandon Ayer. Brandon is a great comic who lives in New York. He first headlined Big Hunt back in 2016. He had just done sets on Comedy Central on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and his future seemed bright. But the following year, he went through the most difficult period of his life and was forced to stop doing comedy altogether. We talk about that and about how he's able to get back on stage and pick up right where he left off. I grew up in Cleveland Heights, which is right outside of Cleveland, okay. east side of Cleveland. My whole life there. seems like a pretty normal place to grow up yeah well it's not really like I, I feel very lucky like uh it's a i didn't realize this at the time but it's sort of a unusual cleveland heights in particular is sort of an unusually diverse place oh really yeah which i didn't re i just you don't you don't really grasp that till you go to places that aren't yeah you know where like my high school was like you know 60 percent black and white and jewish like yeah yeah it yeah. was like a really great mix and then I, all, I went to college and like met kids who had really never been around anything yeah. but white kids you know and it was like i felt it i felt grateful for where i grew up it was yeah well i grew up outside of pittsburgh yeah which you would think would be similar to growing right. up outside of cleveland but it was not very diverse at all. Yeah, well, Cleveland in general is not. Yeah. Like, I'm, well, it's the whole town taken as a whole is, but like yeah, most, yeah, it's most, segregated. yeah, it's mostly like kind of segregated. But the the near east side, ha it just happens to be like pretty diverse and and integrated yeah. and nice, which is like I didn't realize until later. It was like it's like a pretty great thing to grow up that it way. is it is good i i feel very uh like fortunate that i ended up getting into comedy in uh in dc because then i i that put me in a place so it was a, a much more diverse experience and uh i'm you know really grateful for that i didn't just like stay in pittsburgh and then have that only that one experience right yeah yeah comedy I, l I do love the diversity of yeah. comedy and it, it bums me out that some of like so many 
road clubs are kind of like you know in in the industry we call them you know club clubs and urban rooms and what they mean right, is yeah. white clubs and black clubs you know and it's like yeah it kind of bums me out that that's how some clubs are separated but it, it's just well a lot of cities are separated right, that way right i mean even uh even like like really big cities are, sure. are, are divided up that way and yeah, it's a, it is it is a shame. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to Wesleyan University, which is a oh. small little liberal arts yeah, school yeah. in Connecticut. And what did you major in? I majored in economics. Me too. Uh, nice. Yeah, I was. Uh, what happened to me was like, I I started doing drugs and drinking like really early. Yeah. And through high school, I was like skilled enough. That I could ke- yeah. keep, keep that up yeah. and keep up good grades and keep playing sports. Yeah. And then as soon as I got to college, as soon as I had no supervision and could do whatever I want, it all caught up to me. Yeah. And I was just a bad... Uh, I mean, I made it through college, and but I think mainly because like, like those... Like small little like oh, they, high, they highly ranked schools they don't want to flunk it. you yeah because it looks bad for them if their if their graduation rate is bad so it was like i don't know what my gpa was but it's low yeah i, w- I went to penn state and it's so gigantic that yeah. no one cares right no one has any idea who you are right. or that you're even there it right. doesn't make it you can do <clears throat> anything and that was tough for me because i i think uh i probably would have been better off if I was in a smaller place, yeah, because uh, I was not going to class or doing anything, and there was nobody to care about it. Well, I was in a smaller place, and I was not going to class, yeah. and nobody cared either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think once you're in college, they're kind of like, "Well, you're an adult." Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, you can come to class or not. You're you're paying to be yeah. here, so you know, yeah, yeah. do whatever you want. What did you think you wanted to be at that point? I uh, mean, that's the problem. Like, I I sometimes when I t- talk to kids and stuff. Uh, if they if they ask me or like I'm a big proponent of like college is not necessarily always the best option like for yeah. me I would have been way better off going to work somewhere for a couple of years and then yeah. going to college yeah like, I wasn't ready for college I did I did work for a year before I yeah. went to college because I was I just I had uh, I got really depressed at the end of high school yeah and kind of like barely made it out yeah but i had already gotten into college so i just deferred for a year and then i was a waiter for a year and i just kind of like hung out and like tried to like calm down before i went yeah i think that's a like i think like like if i went to college now i would love it like because i would pursue something that i'm passionate about like but like at the time like i wish i was a would have been a history major because like yeah. i love history yeah, you know? yeah but at the time in my mind i was like well i'm good at math right and i gotta i want to make money yeah <laughs> like what do i do i'll be an economics major did you enjoy economics at no all? not at all see i love economics y- y- see i like now i do and yeah, I like the theoretical aspect uh-huh. of it, and I like economic history and uh-huh. that sort of stuff. Really interests me. Mm-hmm. At the time, it di- I didn't I, yeah, I didn't yeah. have an appreciation for that, and I didn't take the the, the classes that would have really kind of nurtured that yeah. aspect of it. So, uh, like, I just got by because I was good at math and I understood the concepts. I just didn't care. I was yeah. like, you know, oh, maybe I'll be a 
you know, maybe I work for an investment bank. And yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. with no consideration that investment banks don't hire D students. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Like, uh, um, yeah, I, I always, I would go to class every once in a while. Yeah. And then, but whenever I went to class, I would always be like, oh, this is not bad. Right. I'm like, these guys are, because we had like, we had like fav- famous professors sure. that were like on yeah. TV and stuff. So like, and like some of these professors like show their TV clips. They're like, this is, I was on CNBC yesterday. This is my clip. Yeah. And we were like, watch it. And I'm like, this is really cool. But then I would just, you know, the next day I would just wake up and I'd just be like, I can't, I just can't do this. Yeah, man. I, I, uh, like one, one semester I remember, cause I was, I was, there was like a few things happening. Like one I, I deal with mental illness uh, still to this day. I mean, I, I, I will for my whole life, I think. But And that was starting to set in, like, severe depression and anxiety. And then on top of that, like, my drinking and drug use was getting yeah. out of control. And there there was one semester where, like, I was embarrassed to go out in my hallway because I was, like, it. I just was in my dorm all the time like didn't yeah didn't leave and yeah. like i was embarrassed to go out in the hallway because i didn't want people to know i was there all the time i, I would prefer they think i was yeah gone. yeah yeah like so i was town. like i was uh i would wake up real early and go buy a bunch of 40s because they were cheap and uh-huh. they it would get me drunk and i buy a bunch of 40s and then i would piss into 40 bottles and throw them out the window <laughs> and it was the yeah. winter time <laughs> and i was doing that for like a semester uh-huh. and then all the snow melted and there was just <laughs> this hill covered in 40s full of piss and like everyone in the dorm knew there was only one person who drank like 40s of yeah. laser and king cobra <laughs> yeah. and it was just like oh sorry yeah, guys yeah that backfired <laughs> yeah, man yeah. it seemed like a great plan yeah. at first yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't drink in college or do drugs or yeah. anything. And uh, I always think back on. I didn't start drinking until I was 28. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I don't know if I would be better off or worse off, if I, if I had done drugs and drank back then. Because, in some ways, I think it would have, it could have made me happier and more social. Yeah. And like, um, I might have hung out more and just been in a better mood and kind of like enjoyed things and been more productive. But I think I'm all, it's also pretty addictive for me. Right. So especially smoking weed, if I had started smoking weed in college, I think that might have been a problem because I might have not ever done anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, yeah. I didn't. And uh, what happened for me was like I, it was I was already past the point of it being like a social yeah. lubricant. <laughs> it was still fun, yeah. like, but it wasn't. I wasn't a big party guy. Like I found, I found like a crew of like five or six guys that like did drugs the <laughs> yeah. way I did drugs. Like not, you know, that weren't just like going out Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. That were just like all day long, you know, right. fucking getting high and playing video yeah. games. And like that was my crew. And so I was pretty socially isolated and like. Uh-huh. You know, didn't quite fit in with like um, Wesleyan is like super. It's changed a little now, but at the time it was like super, um, super PC culture, yeah, like very, yeah. very like um, you know ahead of its time. And that now you see that everywhere. Right, but it was right. like super. That movie. Um, what's the movie uh, about the? 
about the uh, oh PCU. Oh yeah, that yeah. movie is based <laughs> is based on Wesley. I wonder how many people remember PCU. Yeah, PCU is based on Wesley, and the opening shot is Wesley in the campus, and uh, and I'm a liberal dude. Like I'm sure. I, I'm a left leaning guy, but it was even like too much for me. So I yeah. was like, kind of felt out of place, and I, I you know I just never quite felt comfortable. I felt like at Penn State, I didn't realize it. But it's like all bros. Yeah. It's just wall to wall bros. Yeah. And uh, I didn't necessarily fit in with that real well. Right. But I wasn't conscious of it at all. I was just like, this is kind of. It was more broy than where I grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I just didn't really appreciate the fact that there were places that weren't that way. Right. Until later on. Yeah. yeah. And I had a really tough time in undergrad going to class, but I went to grad school and just being more mature it was so so much easier it yeah. really wasn't difficult at all i mean it's like, i was just like show up just do the work it's over right. don't think about it don't don't like try to make it more than just completing assignments and right. then you get through it's like so what did you do after college so after college uh i got a job uh with uh a, a, a neighbor of my parents hooked me up kind of with this job interview for a company doing sales. I was I was selling barcode labels, like <laughs> essentially blank white labels. Okay. And I was so bad at it. Like okay. I'm not a sales guy. Okay. I just am not pushy. Like yeah. I don't if someone's like, Oh, we're happy with who we have, I'm like, Oh, that's great for you, man. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So like I did and I didn't never made a single sale. I uh <laughs> I because you, your first year you got a salary and then you were a commission. I never made a single sale. I also like all through college, I knew that the way I drank and the way I did drugs, I knew it was alcoholic behavior. Yeah. But in my mind, I thought this is just because I'm in college. Like oh, the, you're like living college life. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, I'll well, get, you can yeah, you can rationalize it. I was like, I'll get out of college and. Th- I'll stop. Yeah. You know, like this is big. This is what you do. You're in college. You party all the time. Like I'll get out and I'll stop. And I got out and I couldn't stop. Yeah. And like I just it was just continued and got worse. And it was like day drinking, drinking before work, drinking on lunch. And um, so I graduated in, uh, you know, June, late May of 2005. I got sober in november of 2005 oh fast fast like because it got bad it went downhill fast like i was doing like i was just i was getting in trouble i was i was driving drunk every night i was you know i was doing a lot of coke like Uh i was just it was just like a bad life it was a bad life like and i wasn't i wasn't being i wasn't a good good per like i feel like i'm a good person and and i got to the point where i was like ignoring my my, my ethical and and moral yeah. compass to do whatever the fuck i wanted right, you right, know right. and so i got sober quit that job and kind of totally simplified my life mm-hmm. like just started working at starbucks like building my life back up from yeah, scratch yeah. like it through it through this kind of in tandem with getting sober, I got a handle on my like depression and anxiety. I right. got um, started g- 
got on the right medication and uh and you take one medication for both of those at the time mm-hmm. at the time and it worked really well mm-hmm. and um and I just built my life back up and I eventually um eventually after Starbucks I got a job and Starbucks people hate Starbucks cuz it's like a a big mega chain. corporation yeah. you know but I I always have a soft spot for Starbucks That's how I feel about Applebee's man Yeah because man they like at the time, I don't know how it is now, but at the time, you got insurance. If you worked, you, all you had to work was 20 hours a week, and you were eligible for their insurance. They gave you stock options. Like oh, it was wow. like it was like a. They treated their employees like really great, and we made a ton of tips at our store. And it's like, yeah, they're a big corporation. I I don't really know like you know what behind the scenes yeah, how terrible they are yeah right. but uh, to to their employees at least at the time they were great and i'll always be grateful that i like ha- was at this low point in my life and could go work there and it was like i was sober and it was like here was a job where i could excel yeah it was like oh i just have a thing to do yeah yeah very and it's like easy straightforward as long as you work hard it's you can get it done fast and i was like great at it and i loved it and uh um, and then I worked for a private equity fund for a little bit. And then I finally found, uh, what was, uh, a really a great job for me, uh, was, um, I, I did, uh, industrial, uh, I worked for an industrial research company. Okay. Um, and I would write industrial research reports. And, uh, so like, and that kind of was the only time I really used my economics degree because yeah. even at the, at the, at private equity firm, I was more doing like, um, I don't know, just bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But, I, uh, know, I know what you mean. But, uh, at, at, at the, um, industrial research firm, you know, I was writing these reports and, and, and kind of, um, forecasting stuff and, what was so great, that's when I finally started stand-up. I didn't yeah. start stand-up till I was 27. And it took, it took like, getting sober. It took getting... O- I always wanted to do stand-up. My whole life, mm-hmm. I wanted to do stand-up. Like, I loved stand-up. I was so afraid. I was so afraid. How I long did you think about it before you started it? My whole life. You always I, wanted to do yeah, it? Yeah, probably since I was, like, 10, since I first saw it, you know? Like, I, 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 I would watch... Um, I would watch uh, probably the first thing that really impacted me is I would watch, they used to play a lot. They would play the Amazing Jonathan's half hour (laughs) on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah, man. I've seen that like 10 times. Yeah. And I was like, I was so blown away. It was so dark and like good. I think about it every once in a while. Yeah. cutting his arm with a yeah, knife and yeah. then smearing the blood. Yeah, and just killing the pigeon. Yeah. And like, uh, I was so, like, and then... Did you watch that documentary? Uh, I started to. I haven't finished yeah, it yet. Yeah, I, I want to see that. I haven't seen it. Um, and then uh, and then I was really influenced by... Uh, my friend had all these uh, VHS tapes of uh, Deaf Comedy Jam. Yeah. And, like... That was amazing to me. Like, I remember Martin Lawrence hosting, which now I know this is like a stock line. But at the time, it blew my mind. Like, some guy yelled yeah. something. 
and he and he go Martin Lawrence was like, "Can somebody put that something in that guy's mouth? My zipper's stuck." Yeah, and I yeah. thought to me, I was like, "That's the best line I've ever heard." Sometimes those old, it's hard to know when when you watch those really old yeah. uh, sets if they were stock lines then. I think they probably were. Yeah, at least that. <laughs> you one. know what I mean? Yeah, because like some of the stuff. It's definitely somebody started yeah, saying Yeah, somebody it. started saying it. Well, it's weird. It's like street jokes. It's like who somebody made yeah. this up. Like there's a lot of stuff that Patton Oswald says that tons of other people say now and yeah. he so, for, like said it the first time and yeah. and you when you hear someone else say it you're like that is a hack line right. to say. And like Seinfeld is like that also. Right. So, yeah, it does make me wonder. Like I was well, I saw that Bernie Mac set yeah, yeah, recently. Yeah, and it's you know if it's so cringy yeah com- if you saw it today you're right. like what are you doing but that blew everybody's mind back yeah. then yeah yeah and so I loved that and then uh, you know I just always wanted to do it and then I was I was I, I loved man I loved Mitch Hedberg so yeah, much me he's too. still my favorite you know he he, he uh, to me he's the best ever uh, oh wow yeah I think because I. Because here's why. Because uh, I think there's a lot of one-liner guys that have great jokes. Uh, for instance, like Dimitri Martin. Sure. I love Dimitri Martin's Same. jokes. I think his jokes are fantastic. But I think you watch Dimitri Martin and then you stop and you don't really know anything about him. You know? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's for s- somehow it's n- it's n- it's not... You you you, ha- you you don't feel a connection, mm-hmm. and it's still great. But with Mitch Hedberg, even though his jokes were not personal, really, N- right? Almost, I mean, very few of them. And the ones that were weren't really real. You know, like yeah, a, a yeah. couple of them give you a glimpse into his life, but mostly they're they're just absurdist observations, or, or yeah. observations. And and but somehow, I I felt like I knew him. You know, like he somehow his his person through all of his shyness and stage fright and and somehow like he imparted you left and you knew who he was and that was so cool to me i it almost in some ways it feels like he seems like an eccentric person and when he's talking you're like it's almost like that's how he thinks about things whereas with dimitri martin it it all it feels more like he's capable of thinking of things in a different way it's not necessarily his personality right it's more of like here's another way to think about he's kind of like playing with ways of perceiving things right and i think that's cool and i absolutely have no issue with dimitri martin as opposed to walking around like a crazy person which mitch hedberg is right mitch hedberg you can imagine him walking into the store and getting the receipt and like you you know having that whole actual reaction right. to it whereas like dimitri's kind of just thinking of, of and, it and then i i remember like i remember reading how bad mitch had stage fright and yeah, it was yeah. like this huge revelation to me that i was like oh this doesn't have to stop me like just because i'm afraid of it yeah doesn't mean i, I can't do it you know yeah. like uh and so i started when i was 27 which is a plus and a minus, I think, in comedy. Like, yes. you know, sometimes I'm jealous of the guys in New York that start when they're 17. Of course. But at the same time, when you start later, you have stuff to talk about. You know, you have a, you've lived a life. You've got more perspective. 
Um, you can also use your time a lot better. You're just a lot more. You're just able to understand everything, understand stand up, understand the world. And it just comes together a lot faster when you're an 18 year old trying to write stand up jokes. I right. mean, you're so dumb. Right. Right. And and I mean, some guys do it. You know? Oh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's still valuable. It's still yeah. better to do it than to do right. nothing. Right. Um, and so like pretty early on, you know, of course, within the first year, like. You're bad. Everyone's bad, pretty much. Like, except for a few very select few phenoms. I talked exactly like Mitch Hedberg when I started. Yeah, a I lot. Th- so many people do. Style. People, yeah. The the Mitch Hedberg cadence. The um, you get the uh, I hear the Jeselnik cadence sure. a lot. I hear the um, people do uh, Pete Holmes sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, there's there's certain cadences that oh yeah, y- new guys. Almost everyone yeah, has something. Yeah, you kind of have to latch on to something yeah. to get an idea, just to survive on stage. Yeah. You need something that can get you through the set. Yeah. Until until you you know your next set of jokes, you can kind of write in a better yeah. way. Yeah, and I, I I specifically don't no longer listen to Mitch, and I yeah, no longer I can't either. I no longer listen to Norm Macdonald because those are the two who I'll I'll slip into their cadence i'll slip into anybody yeah yeah if i listen to somebody a bunch especially those people that have really distinct yeah i'll slip into it without even even in conversation with people that have a way of talking i'll start it'll start to rub off on me yeah so yeah i was i was in st louis and the host uh this kid man he was super funny he's got great jokes and he was bummed because he was like he was having kind of a hard time and i was like Dude, don't be bummed. You're not a ho- you're telling dark one-liners. You're never yeah, gonna, right, you're ne- right. it's never going to work as a host. That's fine. Just yeah. put your host time in. Your jokes are great. Like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. keep at it. And he was like he was like I get uh, people tell me I sound like Jeselnik. I don't know what to do. I was like, "A, you do sound like <laughs> Jeselnik. <laughs> yeah. B, stop listening to him. That's yeah. all you do. Like yeah. it'll go away." <laughs> like, right. you know, it's not that hard and it's not a crime. Like most new comics have someone right. they sound like. It right. just kind of happens. Uh, uh, I hear B- Berbiglia a lot. Yeah, Berbiglia is I hear huge, Berbiglia yeah. a lot. But, you know, just s- if you're listening to this and you do that, stop listening <laughs> to those guys. Because, like, it's one thing to do it when you start. If yeah. you keep doing it forever, you're kind of ripping them off. One of the things that I always, I kind of, I don't know what the best way for people to approach is is when they have a style that doesn't translate well to hosting. Yeah. Or even necessarily translate well to, to clubs is whether or not they should try to develop the skills that will allow them to host successfully and perform in clubs successfully, yeah. or they should just stick to being super dark or being kind of over overly meta or whatever the, yeah. whatever the issue is but try to like really try to be unique and just stick with that and then just try to fight through with that style what do you think you think you should try to I think I think 10 years ago the answer would have been you got to figure out a way to work clubs yeah you know mm-hmm. what what however whatever you need to you know Whatever you need to do to maintain your comic sensibility and your voice, yeah. but make it work in clubs, do it. 
I think now yeah. that's changed a little bit. I think now the industry is starting to look outside of clubs. Absolutely. You they know, are. and yep. they're looking at alt rooms and they're looking for people that are doing one man shows and they're looking like so I think now like if someone is I I still personally believe that if if, if you really want to be a great stand up, you need to you should be able to do a club. Yeah. You should be able to do a club and you should be able to do an alt room and yeah. you should be able to do a VFW fundraiser. Yeah. You know, that's my personal belief. But if you're if your goal is is just to kind of make it with with your brand of yeah. whatever you're doing, I don't think you need to do that anymore. Right. Like cuz I see people that haven't that you know that get HBO shows oh, absolutely. or you know oh, yes, all sorts yes. of stuff and there's just um there's different ways. I personally value the guys who can do it all. Like to I me, they're my 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 the people I look up to can do both. Can can yeah. can can do a a, a, a alt, alt room, a super alt room, and can do a honky tonk. You know, yeah. like a, a dog fight on the road, and like um. Like I always am so excited. I get so excited when I have a joke that that if I get a joke that kills in Little Rock, Arkansas for a bunch of blue collar people that have been working their ass off all week and yeah. just got a babysitter. And this is their special night out, you know, one night out a week and it kills for them. And then it also kills in some hipster bullshit Brooklyn loft show. Yeah. Then I'm over the moon if i can get a joke that works yeah. in both those places i'm like well that's that's i've 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 figured out a way to to convey funny to 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 to, 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 to yes totally in a general different, sense yes yeah, yeah. in a without without um compromising my like it's right. not like i'm like hacking it up on the road and then changing it like i've made a thing that's that's so that's relatable to people you know do you write do you find that you know, you write jokes that you that you really like, but you, that you have trouble getting them to work certain places. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have jokes, I have jokes that don't really work on the road, you know. But I don't really. I, I've developed to the point now where I I don't. I don't do those. I don't even do those where they do work because I don't like them. Is I, that right? Okay, yeah, so it I bothers you the fact that you can't me. take yeah, them everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it bothers me. It bo I think that um, – and vice versa. If they work on the road and don't work it, it, in Brooklyn, then it bothers me. Maybe like, you can save it up for – you can have experimental albums. Yeah, yeah. You're well, like, this is the weird one. Well, it's weird because I'm like – I'm This is Kid A. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cause I'm trying to like, um, I'm trying to like, you know, and, and we're, we're limited to in somewhat with time here, but like I had this whole, you know, skipping ahead. I had this whole kind of mental breakdown, uh, you know, seven years into my comedy career and like w basically was out for a year and a half in how long ago so that was seven that was years uh, ago. so so that or, was uh, uh, maybe eight years in that was i was almost ready to record the album i was pretty much getting ready to record the album i just recorded right and it was what was that it's like three years ago so it was spring two, two no years? it was spring of 
2017. Spring of 2017. So two Just years ago. Just over two years ago, yeah. yeah. And... Um, uh, basically what happened was I just had a doctor, a new psychiatrist get really worried about the dose of Lexapro I was on. Okay. At the time there was some dated information out there that super high doses of Lexapro were bad for your heart. Okay. Turned out they've since figured out that's not true. Yeah. But, um, uh, and this doctor was great and well-intentioned and working with good information and i was totally on board and i was like i'd been healthy for so long oh, totally. wow. so this is all from changing your dose yeah i've been totally healthy for so long that i was like yeah let's do it let's switch medicine let's try a different medicine and it was just one of those things that like i've heard so many people uh, having kind of read about it happens to so many people you go off one medicine and just no medicine works again. Even going back on that other medicine, oh just really, doesn't work. Nothing worked. And in the in in the meantime, the, all this time that I had been on the medication, my my uh, my I, I, I'm diagnosed as bipolar type two. I've they've I've had like six official diagnoses. Yeah. But m mainly my big issues are depression and bad bad anxiety, bad anxiety. And um, Do you don't have like crazy manic states. No, no. I get what they tell me about bipolar type two is that instead of the manic states, I get extraordinarily irritable. Mm. That instead of manic, which a lot of people think bipolar type two is kind of bullshit. They kind of just tell you you have that when they're not when you're when you're depressed but there's also weird s other stuff with yeah. it it's sort of a it's sort of a catch-all so do you, you notice yourself being extremely irritable at yeah, times? yeah 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 oh, and yeah. then how long does that last uh like days few days okay go away but but it was really what took me out of comedy was like so the anxiety got insane like insane like i couldn't leave the house i was having kind of psychotic um symptoms and so like um what's a psychotic symptom like uh so like i was like thinking that i wasn't in control of my own body like okay. you know like something was controlling my arm like okay weird shit you know like uh and that's that's kind of why they're like okay something extra is yeah going yeah on a here. little more than depression. you're, not, you're yeah. not schizophrenic but like there's something there's something more, yes, you know, yes, like yeah. you're, you have some elements. And so that year and year and change was like a nightmare. I mean, I, I attempted suicide. I was in and out of psych wards. I spent three months in a mental hospital. I had s 17, no, 15 sessions of uh, electroconvulsive Whoa. therapy. Um, that didn't work, which that that is uh people are always like think i'm gonna shit on it because it didn't work it for me it seems like yeah it seems like a weird thing like well, that they wouldn't do anymore it, it that's what everyone says um but i know that they do still do it and not only do they still do it 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 really got kind of fucked by one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh, like they almost that movie almost kind of got rid of it yeah um and then Kitty Dukakis, Michael Dukakis's wife, uh -huh. wrote this like best-selling memoir uh -huh. about how it saved her life, okay. and it sort of turned it around. But the interesting thing about it is, um, statistically, it, uh, um, in, in every study they've done, it's more effective than any antidepressant. 
Really? Yes. It's mo- it's anti like the, the, the pills generally are like have like a fifty uh, percent to sixty percent success rate, mm-hmm. and ECT has like a seventy to seventy five percent success rate, and it just didn't work for me. And so I'm like, as I, I mean, through the course of that year, I, I was on like every medication, nothing worked. Finally, I either got on the right meds or like before there were psychiatric meds when they would just throw people in asylums yeah generally unless you were a schizophrenic schizophrenics don't really get better you know they yeah yeah you can treat it but you're not going to get better but for like mood disorders a lot of times before psychiatric medications people would just kind of get better like around after about a year and so like that might have happened to me. I don't right, know. Right. It's either, either I hit the right medicine. Oh, med- wow. So you don't really know. what. I don't know if it's the medicine I'm on or if it just was time. Yeah. But I'm, I just got better. And I, through that year, I was like, I'm, I w- had lost hope. Did you leave like, New York? Yeah, yeah. I went home. I, uh-huh. went to my, I went home to my parents' house. And then I was in a mental hospital in Texas. I was. And how w- long were you in the mental hospital? Three months, almost. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I got very depressed. I got suicidal. Yeah. And then I, I was an outpatient at yeah. a mental hospital. So yeah. instead of going to school, I would go there for three yeah. weeks. And I would just do, we have like group therapy like yeah. all day long, pretty much. And then I started taking antidepressants um, from that. And I had to take, I tried so many different ones. And then I was taking this one called Effexor. Yeah. And it was... Uh, they just the dude kept like giving me more and more of it, and he's like, he's like, we're out of the normal range, but he's like, there are studies that show people have it starts to work for them at extra at these very high yeah. doses. So then it kept go, we kept going up and up, and then eventually it did start working, and then uh, I ended up taking antidepressants f- for like ten years, yeah, um, and then I wanted to start drinking. I I was twenty eight. I yeah. didn't drink. I guess maybe I took it for twelve years. Thir- 11 years uh and uh but the dude was like so insistent on me not drinking while taking sure it was i think i was taking cymbalta and it, i guess it has like a liver there's yeah. like a liver component to the cymbalta so he was like it's bad for your liver but he was just he wouldn't be straight with me about how much i could drink he was like just you can have a few drinks right. i'm like all right that's fine i'll have a few that's a that's okay yeah and then i would go back in he's like how much are you drinking i'm like i you know i have like a few friday a few saturdays yeah. like no you gotta have one a week and I was like, all right, dude, I'm done. I'm right. done with this medication. Um, and he's like, well, you can. He's like, you're going to have what I'm like, I'm just tell me how to get off of it because I'm not taking it anymore. Right. And I'm not coming to this. I'm not coming to this yeah. office again. And I went and then I got really depressed coming off of it. But I came out of it after a few days. Yeah. And uh, and then I, I've only I've had a couple moments where I, there was like a time that was like 10 years ago. And then I felt good. And then uh but I've had a, and I was always like, oh, I think that's over for me. I think that was yeah. like I was too young and I didn't know how to deal with it. And now I can deal with it. But I've had some times over the past few years where I've started to feel depressed again. And I'm like, oh, man, I think it could yeah. it could come back. Yeah. Well, that's like the big like having had like a uh, like a serious sort of mental break. Like yeah. like um, that's my big fear you yeah. know is like will it come back you yeah. know because like i you know i i 
I don't know if I can, you know, there's only so many chances to like come back to comedy and come back to like, you know, like, like, sure. I don't know. And that's obviously if that happens again, that's not the, the priority is not coming back to sure. comedy. It's having a life. But um, I mean, I was just so, so excited that I, I got better and was like and the comedy community was so like, I mean, I got I got m- most of my regular road work back like right away, you know, because it just it's a uh, my friend Lucas told me because <laughs> it, it's just a forgiving industry. My friend yeah, Lucas was like. Dude, they got drunks that piss themselves it's on stage. It's just part of it. <laughs> yeah. It is part of the industry. Yeah, yeah. There's like, I mean, running all these shows and dealing yeah. with all like hundreds of local comics for years and yeah. years. It's just like you kind of come a lot across a lot of mental illness. You're going to come across a lot of addiction. Like there's all kinds of things and it's just part of comedy. Yeah. Like there's no... <laughs> you're not get you're not removing it from comedy. right it's and well and it's funny because i was the comics always kind of mess with me because like i'm a guy who's like pretty quiet and yeah. like can have a normal conversation with you and we're in that we, we we both of us were in this world of like people that act like lunatics yeah, yeah and so like people are always like yeah, it's weird that you went crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, you seem like the normal yeah, one. Like we <laughs> were surrounded by like kind of fake crazy guys all the time, and like you went really crazy. But it, it really all it goes to show is like when you look around at the normal people who are doing comedy, they're not normal. Yeah, they're not, <laughs> and 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 also like anyone can. It's like any other disease. Anyone, it can happen to anyone. You know, like oh just, sure. You know, it's just. Um, I think there's also a lot of a lot more appreciation for how many people have to deal with mental illness and you know now at this point uh, 10 years ago i probably knew like one person that was bipolar and now i know like eight or ten and i don't you know yeah they're i I, in my mind you know you think someone has bipolar like whoa that person is crazy yeah and then you know a bunch of them you're like they're this is they're just like everybody right. else, right? And you, you know. probably also knew them ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Just didn't, they weren't comfortable talking about right. it, right? Um, but I, uh, I don't know. I just uh, I'm I'm trying to um, trying to do a one man show about the that that sort of year and change, and like like I did, I think you were outside, but I did a little chunk of it on the open mic last night. But oh it's, yeah, I didn't it's see it. it's hard. I'm finding it hard to work into normal material because it's it's like there's funny parts, you know, but it's like it can it can change the mood of a show when all of a sudden I'm like, you know, and and for like I talked to a friend of mine and I was like, who who knows uh, Berbiglia? And I was like, how how would how would like early on uh, how how would Mike develop his one-man shows like how did he do that like where did he do that and how did he do that my friend was like he did it on the road and he didn't give a fuck if people walked they walked you know that was just how he did it but i think the difference is like i think he already had enough of a following to be able to do like i can't do that i gotta eat you know i gotta live you do you do I, i can't be i can't just be at the you know fucking loony bin in 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 omaha ironically and yeah well (laughs) i took a picture i took a picture there the the one in little rock 
ha- has a sign that says like patient entry only and i was like come on this is the too one much. place yeah. you should be able to run that material. yeah yeah um but so like I, I i have to come back to these places like it's how i make my living yeah so i just need a little i'm gonna i'm gonna book some <clears throat> some stage time in new york to kind of work it out and you know figure out some places there's places where i can work yeah. that kind of hour out um and i can i have like I'll feel out the audience sometimes and be like, these people are on board. Let me go into a little yeah, chunk yeah, exactly. of that because they're they're cool with it. Um, yeah, just pick your spots. Yeah, but it's also like, uh, you know, I've never done a one-man show, so I'm, it's also figuring out, like, it's not like stand-up, whereas stand-up for me, like, I'm a very kind of set-up punch guy, you yes. know? Like, I tell sort of little stories, but not really. Yeah, I'm a no. joke guy, you know? Yeah, I like your style. Your style is my preferred uh, yeah. headliner style for this room, especially. Yeah, I'm a joke guy, and I, I always have been, so it's kind of figuring out being okay in the silence, yeah. being okay with, like, some moments are just emotional and not laugh, you know? Right, like, right. Like, working that out so i'm trying to figure that out also why i try and develop new material because i just did an album so i'm like kind of doing both of those things i mean i try to even as a producer like watching the show i it's i try to perceive from the audience like what what they're getting from a show yeah because some people are that are less set of punchline naturally are having those moments of right. those long periods with no laughs. Yeah. And I try to watch the crowd and see like how, what is their level of entertainment right. compared to when there, there are like constant laughs and it's, it's tough to tell, but definitely you can tell with certain people that are very personal. You listen if you're just listening to the laughs. You're like that sounded kind of mediocre. It was like right. okay, laugh wise. But then afterwards, a lot of people will come up and talk to them. So right. then they'll really connect with a lot sure. of people. So you have yeah. that, that, those two things. But yeah, it's like constant trying to find the balance. Yeah, it's hard. Like like last night was interesting. We had two audiences, both you know good audiences, but low energy. So it was right. like you know they were laughing, but they weren't. You could, it was very difficult to elicit that rolling laughter yes. that you want, that killing, you know? And so it was like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna, t- I'm, I, 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 you know, and I was throwing some new stuff in there because uh, I, I have to, you have like, to. I just have to, I did an album, so I gotta work it, but, um, I'm, I'm grateful not, that you didn't come and do all new stuff. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, no. You, I like. I'm not at that level yet. Where yeah, you can just I gotta like, turn over my whole. Where album. you're like, here's a here's an open mic for me. Some yeah. guys, some guys' showroom. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, but um, but the, it's like, always the, scary having a headliner come after they record an album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I, it to be the week before they record an re- album. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I know where I'm at. Where it's like, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not to the point yet. Like, if you're if you're, you know, selling out an improv uh, six nights in a row, five nights in a row, then you can be a guy yeah, that uses that. Yeah, because they're your people. Yeah. Then th- they're your people. Then they're your people, and that can be your open mic, you know, because eventually you're just getting ready to do theaters. And you when know? they're your people, they're going to give you, they're going to go with you right. where you want right. to go, you know. Right. And uh, I know where I'm at, and I know exactly, like, I know exactly, like, when... 
if if I I know if I lose if I've gone too far into new and I lose them, sure. that it's like okay, time for a good one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like and um, that's like that's club road experience. Yeah, yeah, to know how to, to to go back and forth. But like those audiences last night were like a good example of like okay, I can't, I'm not gonna get into the mental hospital right. stuff because they're just I don't want to, I don't want to get it. They're already where they're at. I don't want I don't want to make it overly serious i don't want to make and then the late show they were like kind of wild and weird and i was like perfect like yeah you can do whatever yeah it almost doesn't matter what you do because you're not going to get a normal response right and i I got a great response i was super happy yeah in a way in a way you're better off doing weird stuff than you are doing when you go up there and do your best stuff because it's so weird you get a weird reaction so it feels bad you might as well do something weird especially when i just did the two first shows where it's like well what am i you're gonna say practice that again like (laughs) i know i know those jokes you know right um you thinking about doing like trying to go to edinburgh next year uh, that people have talked to me about that i would be interested in that i you know i need to look into it because i've heard wonderful experiences and i've heard horrible of course yeah absolutely and i think you really have to (laughs) plan scary for your uh, mental state yeah well that is like a thing that makes people go crazy yeah and i think you really have to plan and know what you're doing and talk to comics that have done Uh it and like do it a certain way because i think people go there thinking i'll just figure it out and no one shows up at their shows because there's like it's all about promotion and there's something wild like I mean, this is probably an exaggeration, but there's some wild number, like a thousand shows a day or something like some, <laughs> that some, seems uh, impossible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that probably seems too much, but something like huge because yeah, there's yeah. shows starting at like 11 a.m. Yeah. And they're all throughout the city at all. Sorts well, I of guess venues. if you had 10 venues and then you had 10 shows at each venue. Yeah, but, but oh, there's like way, more, way yeah. more than 10 <laughs> venues. 100 venues. Yeah. I mean, because the venue, the, the festival it's weird. The fest, the city sort of just designates the festival, and then any venue can be a part of it. Like you yeah, book yeah. your own venue. Like yeah, it's a yeah. weird system. So there's like hundreds of venues. So it's a weird, a weird thing. And you're kind of in charge of your own promotion. And so I know people have gone there and spent all this money and been like, I'll figure it out. I'll yeah. get a good review, and people will come. And it's like, well, no one even came to review that. Yeah. You know, no one came. Like, and they're out thousands of dollars. And we have a a, a local comic here that's doing it this year, which I, I'm really interested yeah. to see how it goes for her. Yeah. Because she's somebody that doesn't have. She's not a headliner. Right. She's not even a headliner at all. She's yeah. she's a feature. Right. And so she's gonna she's going to do a whole month of one woman shows. So I'm I'm really interested to see like what kind of turnout she gets. I guess she's talked to a lot of people and has yeah. an idea about how to do it. Jacqueline Novak last year came and did a weekend here and then came back and did some short, short like twenty minute sets to work out her show. Yeah. And then that got turned into off Broadway show this year. Yeah, that's just opening now. Yeah, right. And then so then she came back this this summer to to like get her ready to do the off Broadway. Yeah, I'm excited to go see I it. Think I think it's in previews right now. Yeah, it is. I love uh, her. And then Lisa Traeger came this year to work out her Edinburgh hour. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it seems like it really gives you something to focus on and it yeah. gives you like a real purpose to like work that material out yeah, and um, like a structure to work within and like a goal to, to get toward. Yeah. And it's also like this weird thing that's happening now in comedy where like, and I hate to come at it from like 
a cynical angle because it was this like horrible period in my life. But it's like, oh, well, here's an angle. Yeah. Here's like my selling point, (laughs) you know? Right, right. Like I I can, I'm the mental health guy, (laughs) you know, like, which is kind of a cynical way of looking at it. But it is something that you kind of have to think about now like what is your niche or where you know where uh, how are you going to sell tickets yeah. you know like do you think have you been able to get big laughs from those jokes yeah yeah i mean but that's the problem the problem is i'm writing them as stand up jokes and so i haven't put together the story like i yeah. have you know like i'm do I'm you think you can make it a story that hits like where you know where it has every joke is going you know it's going it's going for the for through the overall narrative, but it's it ha- it's so punchy that it could hit close to a stand up show. Um, yes, I don't. I mean, here's the thing: like, I just recorded my first album, yeah, and I'm very proud of it. But Desiree, yeah, Desiree, available on streaming yeah, services. Um, but that was nine years of work, you know? Absolutely. That's, so the first, that's the everybody's first everybody's album. Everybody's first album. So it's like, so thinking about like, okay, can I do a straight hour on this story that's like, that's full stand-up laugh style? Yes, but I don't know how long that would take, you know? Like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? I don't know how long that would take to develop. Whereas if I just tell the story with with jokes interspersed and you know kind of make it intriguing and interesting and and um uh you know relatable i think that's a little yeah a little quicker of a, ta- a turnaround you 100%, know like yeah. um and also like it can start off that way you can st- you can write it that way and start performing that way and then just keep punching it up exactly i think well with i mean my experience is stand-up like i'm not a storyteller so i think right. naturally i'll be like looking for the laughs because it may, i mean because obviously do you see chris gethard's special no no so he i mean he has a one right. one-man show about being suicidal that's so. why i haven't watched it because it's too i don't want to oh yeah yeah, yeah understandable avoid like any kind of but you know it's kind of hard to picture your <laughs> it's kind of hard to picture your special coming out like that just because your styles are so different. Right. Um, so I think even though it's like a similar, even though it's yeah. a similar topic, I think that you would, you would be coming at it as a, a kind of a clubbish comic. Right. And right. he's coming at it as an alt storytelling comic. Right. So they're very different things. And that, when you watch that, it's not, it's not a standup special. It's, it's like it's a one man show. It's a storytelling show, really. It's yeah. fun. It's got jokes in it, but it's it's not at all. It's not punchy. Right. Right. Yeah. I love Chris. I, yeah. That, I, and I, that's exactly why I've avoided watching that, because I'm like, well, I want to do that. So yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. anything don't leaking influenced. in. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I kind of want to do it. No, I think that's smart. Coming that's from a from a pure, yeah, clean, clean mind, you know, Uh but yeah, man, it's good. It's good to be back doing stand up. The album's doing well, which I'm super excited about. It was, it was on the uh, iTunes charts, which uh, was number one for like three days. Which that's great. But I kind of knew that because those charts yeah, that's are what happens, yeah. those charts are heavily weighted towards growth. 
Yeah. It's still a big deal to be number one. And Absolutely. Great, to get it. Yeah, yeah. But, but not the, everybody gets to number one. Yeah. People get on the chart right. when they put their album out. Um, but they're they're pretty heavily weighted towards towards you know percentage growth as opposed to overall units. But I, then I, I hadn't even been checking the Billboard charts because I was like, I'm not going to make yeah, the Billboard right. charts. And my brother texted yeah. me one morning and goes, dude, you're, the, you ju- you're number nine on the Billboard charts. Wow. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I, I was really excited because uh, I hadn't even looked. And I'm sure they have some element of growth yeah. in their yeah, yeah. algorithm, but it's uh, more unit sales. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. And I'm happy with the way the album turned out and you so got a podcast i got the rad dude cast with anthony devito and greg stone both guys that have been here at the big hunt sure. and uh we've had that for a long time six years now and now you guys have a patreon we have a patreon patreon.com backslash rad dude cast um yeah it's uh the that podcast has been uh it's been fun man because we kind of went into it like there was all these when we started. There was all these comedy podcasts that were, you know, uh, interview shows like this type of show. Um, or there was like the only thing, I guess, comedy bang bang was a little bit like what we do. But there was nothing that was like like w- we we were. We were driving home from a gig, the three of us, like, just fucking around yeah, fucking in a car. Around. Yeah, fucking around, yeah, yeah, And we were like, there's nothing kind of like this. Like, I guess it would be more like the green room with uh, Paul Provenza yeah, that used yeah, to have. Yeah. Like, we were like, there's nothing that's just fucking around. Like, yeah. no structure, like, n- no guests, like, right. just fucking around. And so we di- we did. that's what we did, and it's crazy. Some episodes are, like, like... It's a definitely an acquired taste, like or not even acquired. It's a n- niche taste. Yeah. Like some people love it. My yeah, brother, people who are really into the yeah, yeah. My brother's a big comedy fan and like loves all three of us comedically, and is like, dude, it's too silly for me. I can't listen. Oh like, really? Yeah, because like, it's it gets wild. Like yeah, we, yeah. we do characters, we get. But fi- now we finally started. We've loosened up and started to be like, we're gonna have guests from time to time. We're gonna yeah. open it up and just uh, we moved to a new studio. Um, but yeah, if you like comedy, give it a listen. You might like it, you might not. It's it's definitely uh, can get a little wild sometimes. Uh, it's mostly me trying to rein those two in. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, man, I'm uh, I'm glad that you made it back. I mean, I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to be back here at the Big Hunt. I love it. I love it. The I love it here. I love sure, man. Room. Yeah, you're a perfect comic for Big Hunt. Perfect Big Hunt comic. It's uh, great to have you back. I know it's tough when people stop doing comedy. You know, you always wonder if they're ever gonna make it back. Cause I know. A lot of times when you s- you lose momentum, it's really hard to to jump back in. So it's great to see you get back in full force. And uh, thanks, man. Best of luck with everything thanks, you got going man. on. Thanks for having me. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.